Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning. Welcome to the Morning Beat. Thank you so much for joining us. We're kicking things off with one of our own icons, George Takei. Takei. Hmm. Come on. Star Trek. <laughs> do you know who George Takei even is? Yeah, I do. Star Trek. I just, I literally just said that. Well, that's who it is. He's got some interesting thoughts he's sharing on social media about what we should do with our unvaccinated brothers and sisters. They seem extreme, but are we inching closer and closer to the things he's actually suggesting uh, for those who are not vaccinated as we all try to get back to some sort of normal life uh, that seems uh, just like something that's never, ever, ever going to happen. Uh, Also, TikTok, uh, problematic for some, super hopeful for others, uh, is TikTok. Uh, helping kids come out of the closet. Is that a good thing? Is it setting a bad tone uh, for our next generation? Mm-hmm. Also, a little bit later on in our, at 820 Pacific, 1120 Eastern, we're joined by Dr. James Simmons for a two-parter, What the Health, uh, talking about Moderna announcing that they are working on an HIV vaccination. Could COVID be the thing that saves us from this 40 years plus HIV AIDS pandemic? Amen. And let's go back to this. Let's just take it back a little further. Speaking of Moderna, will Dolly Parton save us once again? Dolly Parton (laughs) is just an icon across the board. Yeah. There's nobody like her. Well, she made a small million-dollar donation that uh, led to vaccines and a a world hopefully reopening up and possibly an end to HIV and AIDS. You know who else got a small million-dollar donation one time? Donald Trump from his father just to get started. Remember when he was campaigning and said that? Just got a small million dollar loan for my dad that I didn't pay back. Listen to me. We're going to oh, show yeah, Dolly yeah. appreciation uh, in January for my birthday. We're going to, what is it, Fort Page? Page Fort? I have no idea what you're talking Pigeon about. Pigeon Forge? Pigeon Forge. Fort That's what Page? It's I don't know. I'm th- I've been thinking about war a lot. Um, we're going to <laughs> Dollywood. Yeah. And we're dressing up as our favorite Dolly Parton character. We're going to show her our appreciation. Okay, nine to five, is that? If that's the character you choose. What other character is there? She is a character. I could be Steel Magnolias. Oh, yeah. That's... The hairdresser. No, can I be Julia Roberts, though? And can you just give me orange juice all the time and tell me to drink my juice, Shelby? Can I do the best little whorehouse in Texas? <laughs> best little whorehouse in Texas. That's a good one, yeah. I forgot okay. about that. That's what we're doing. So mm-hmm. don't forget. Why would you say, can I be Julia Roberts and just tell me to drink my juice, Shelby? Yeah. You're so if I want to sit psychotic. down and take a break because I'm tired, I'd be like, listen, I'm diabetic. Drink I'm your gonna juice, I'm going to take a break. Shelby. I'm going to skip this roller coaster. <laughs> so just give me some juice and I'll be good. It's either that or the crazy lady. What's her name? The actress. Gosh, I'm going off on a tangent already. Okay, go. Morning. What's the lady? Uh, 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 Justin, say it. I don't know. What? The lady who lives across the street. She's really mean and crotchety. Oh, uh-huh. Movie? Yeah. Uh-huh. And Steel Magnolias. Oh, I... Um, Look uh-huh. it up. She's iconic. So many gays are screaming at me right I know, now. I know. Same. The entire I can city see her of face right here. is literally yelling at me right now because God, I don't what know a this. movie. I can't Did we sob? I sobbed when I watched that movie. I cry every time I see it still. Mm-hmm. Who is Find it? Find her, Justin? Looking, looking, looking. You're the worst. Okay, well, why... Olivia Dukakis? Clary Belcher? Yeah. Olivia Dukakis. That's who it is. Okay. Yeah, there you go. But what was her name? In Larry the Skeeter. Skeeter? 
A belcher. Oh, Skeeter? No, oh, Skeeter, Skeeter is who I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, you'll find it. Come on. I'm looking. Okay, well, while he looks... Michaela, how about you do some news on the beat? All right, honey, you got it. Well, there's a lot going on. Uh, Eric Braverman, the Senior Vice President of Marketing, Communications, and Broadcasting for the L.A. Dodgers baseball team, has announced he's added another ring to his collection, an engagement ring. Braverman shared on social media that he's going to marry his partner, Jonathan Cottrell. The out baseball executive popped the question this weekend in Las Vegas to the engineer, model, and photographer, who happily reports that he said yes. Among other things, Braverman has um, shepherded the Dodgers' long-celebrated Pride Night, which just held its eighth edition in June when the Dodgers hosted the Texas Rangers, who this year became the only team in Major League Baseball not to have ever held a Pride Night celebration. Braverman came out publicly in 2015, although he was out to those close to him and those around baseball for years prior. His promotion to senior vice president in 2018 made him one of the most senior out executives in not only all of baseball, but professional sports around the country. Uh, He did tell out sports in 2018. My passions growing up were always baseball, broadcasting, business and marketing. This is a job that literally combines all of my passions with all of my skills. It's enjoyable for me. So congratulations. I love that. Shirley McLean. Yes. Weezer. Not Skeeters. Weezer. All right, that tracks. Justin, where are we at? Okay, let's do some weather. No, it's not Bordeaux. It's Boudreaux. Boudreaux. Weezer Boudreaux. Iconic character, Shirley MacLaine. God, how did I? I'm the worst. You are the worst. worst gay. You're the worst. Let's get into weather. Summer's here, and it's queer. It's brought to you by McDonald's. I have 88 in St. Louis today, 91 in Sacramento, 106 in Indio, 79 in Chicago, 79 in Buffalo, 70 in Seattle, 88 in Miami, and 106 in Palm Springs. Now, if you see a McDonald's, stop by. Get a frozen Coca-Cola drink for just $1.50 today. Now, give us a vibe of the day. People won't see your struggle. They will only see your success. Yeah. All right. Well, just keep going, honey. Keep going. And just anyways. share your story on social media like everybody else. Now, George Takei has a message for anti-vaxxers. This icon is letting us know how he feels. Coming up next. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. Uh this is a really interesting conversation, and I'm really excited to have this. There's this article that our producer found uh, on Vice, uh, which is a fantastic site, by the way. Uh, but, uh, and the, the the topic is how to deal uh, with a friend who constantly puts down their partner as a joke, or how to have that conversation in your own relationship if you're sort of like toxic, quote unquote, joking <clears throat> is impacting the relationship. Mm. I've been this guy. I've been in this situation where because of my own maybe insecurities or whatever, I constantly make jokes. And I think gay people, in particular gay men, uh, can, and I want to get your take on this, but I know as a gay man, we tend to learn how to be very funny and very witty at a very young age to beat everybody to the punch. To, yeah. to misdirect, to get people to not pay attention, to not catch on that you might actually be gay or in the closet. Um, but sometimes I think it can carry over into adulthood and into both personal and friendship relationships in a way that's not good. And also, not everybody gets your humor. Like You and I can say just about anything to each other, mm-hmm. which is why they pay us to talk for a living. Mm-hmm. And things that we say privately to each other would just be appalling to some other people. Yeah. But it's our humor and we understand our boundaries with each other. But sometimes it carries over into relationships that can be, can be bad. Um, and I know I've hurt my partner before. 
I'm kind of curious to know your take on the sort of like idea of joking uh, when it's not received as a joke for other people. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I will say this a million times, probably forever, but started therapy. I really like it. And I used to um, be very, very self-deprecating because I felt like it made everybody else in the room comfortable. That way I was more relatable. That way I was more likable. And I also got to the joke about myself faster than anybody else could. Mm -hmm. But that has left me in a position where people will make jokes about me that I actually never found funny. I found them to really hurt my feelings. I'm actually pretty sensitive. Mm -hmm. And I actually don't like when people make fun of me. And I don't like when people tell jokes about me. And so a boundary that I've had to set is, not only am I not going to make the joke about me, but you're not going to anymore either. Mm. That's in a very general setting. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I think that um, everyone does it as a defense mechanism, but it's really kind of mean to yourself. And one thing that I've pr- I've prided myself on is I will never make fun of somebody else, but I will absolutely make fun of myself. I'm usually that way too. <laughs> like I won't, I'll, I'll do a lighthearted like tease about people or if people I'm friends with that I'm close to, but I don't like to like actually just make fun of people because I think that's cruel. Yeah. And there's no need for it. Yeah. Well, there, there are a few reasons though, apparently, according to Ryan House, he's a therapist and an author. Um, one of the reasons is insecurities, like I said. Um, and I think that's kind of my reason. Uh, he says also couples sometimes aren't comfortable communicating their feelings directly to their partner. This one's interesting. Sometimes they want to like rehash an argument that they had privately th- privately with their partner in front of their friends to see like whose side people would take. Ew. To see what people's opinions are, right? And then they also says sometimes people are just showing off a little bit for an audience. Sometimes they get in front of people. And I an issue that we've had, and my partner is so, so sweet. But sometimes the thing that bothers me is and I think I've, I know I know that I've done this to him, with his good friend Alana. Sometimes she and I gang up a little bit and tease him a little bit too much, mm-hmm. and it hurts his feelings. Yeah, he's like she's my friend first, but early in our relationship, and who knows who did this first? But I have a friend Mike who comes to visit from Columbus. He lives in Chicago now, but he comes out here every now and then. And when he would come to town, Emil would get kind of mean and nitpick me and like make fun of me and do little things. I was like, this is so uncharacteristic of you because. My my friend has only met you a couple of times. I want him to see who you are. I don't know what this is. Yeah. And I finally had to talk to him because they would kind of tease me a little bit. And nobody likes to be ganged up on. Yeah. And so our friends one time sat us down at brunch, our girlfriends. We go to church every Sunday together before the pandemic. And I would always make little comments about how I said something along the lines one time. And I've said this many times. I'm like, he was like a little kid and I met him. He's like a little boy because mm-hmm. my partner's like 10 years younger and he was in the closet. Yeah. He's a little boy. Wasn't really that attractive. Wasn't really that cute. I was sleeping with some other guy who was really hot at the time. And for some reason, I like, you know, decided to give Emil a chance. And in my mind, that narrative is like accurate. And also I'm like, oh, I'm being sweet. What a nice guy. And they're like, eh, don't talk about him that way. He was, First of all, he was never a little boy. Second of all, like... He was a, a mature, well-rounded enough adult to get into a real relationship with you. And, you know, so be careful how you put him down. Yeah. I didn't see it that way at first. And then I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe be kinder. I mean, I don't know. Lisa and I started therapy and I like going with her, too. I feel like it gives us a good way to communicate. Lisa's never been one to make fun of me. However, she said like an off the off the grade comment the other day in front of a friend of ours. And I thankfully was able to like pull her aside and I was like that didn't make me feel good and I didn't like that and then Mm -hmm. she was like oh my god I'm so sorry I think that things that used to be acceptable 
no longer are acceptable. So we're like working through that. You know what I'm saying? Like some yeah. things that used to be said, they don't get to be said anymore. Well, as your friend, okay, this is what this article is about. I've seen Lisa tease you and make fun of you. Yeah. But more of a like, um, oh, Michaela, that's Michaela. Yeah. But at the time, that's what also what you were saying about yourself. Right. So she was kind of following your lead, I think. Totally. And so it's good to know that, because I haven't been around you guys a lot because of the pandemic, but it's good to know that with therapy, as you start to adjust, because sometimes it's hard for a partner. Yeah. Once you start it's to change for the all way relationships, that you treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But it's better. It's yeah. better. And then she has, you know, it makes more sense. But yeah, if you're making fun of your partner, that's yucky. Like, mm, don't no. do that. It doesn't make anybody feel good. And honestly, it makes you look like the D-bag for sure. Like, you do not look cool when you are making fun of your partner what's a d-bag just shut up i'm not saying it (laughs) (laughs) ellen degeneres she's an icon she's also popping what's popping all right so this is crazy ellen degeneres took so much heat last year so much so that she's just finishing at season 19 which is so odd to so many people she said so many celebrities guest hosts for her uh there was rumors that she was going to be moving to australia after her show that's where portia her wife is from But it doesn't seem like Australia has so much love for her because uh, they're refusing to air her final season after broadcasters opted not to renew their deal to air the once-dominant Gab Fest. The Ellen DeGeneres show was once Daytime's TV's biggest show, but sexual harassment and toxic work environment, environment allegations and the investigation have tanked ratings as fans have just simply tuned out. And so Nine Network has declined to renew the contract to air the show, saying the Ellen DeGeneres show will not be returning to Channel 9 for its 19th and final season. It's been a tremendous run. We wish Ellen all the best for her last season. Oy vey, that's rough. It keeps getting worse for her. Listen, we can both applaud Ellen for all the things she's done for our community and also like hold her accountable for her actions. And you can't build an entire talk show an entire career off of the, the statement be kind to one another and then be like a horrible and miserable then be mean to your entire staff yeah like that but just, it's honestly ugh. i have a, so many and this is like not a like this is not a brag i have a lot of friends who have been on her show Same. and have worked with her mm-hmm. and this has been like the the sentiment for a couple heard, of yeah, years we've heard this for years yeah it's friend, really not new i had a friend who worked on her show probably seven years ago and said it was just miserable. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't even like make eye contact with Ellen. Yeah. Like she would just go off. You couldn't right. talk to her. Mm-hmm. And like what sort of a work environment. I remember I remember when Jon Stewart left The Daily Show and I remember what <clears throat> there's a tribute to him and all of his employees and the things that they were saying time and time again was that he was just part of the team and that they loved the experience so much they could ever imagine working with somebody like him. I remember thinking to myself like I want people to say that about me someday. I know you guys wouldn't, but like when I get a real job and I'm not doing this hack job, you know, with the two of you, yeah. I would hope people would like me and not say I was a jerk. I'm they kidding won't. right now. But Ellen, though, is not going to be able to walk away from her show and people have that sentiment about her. I know. I know. It's Ugh. tough after 19 seasons. All right. Well, coming up, does TikTok help questioning kids come out? We're going to discuss thanks to this new filter coming up in the next hour. Social media might seem uh, like a bad thing if you're an adult, right? If you don't understand what social media can do, the power of social media, you might just kind of like write it off as like, uh, it's another distraction, right? It's ruining the next generation. However, uh, there's some evidence that TikTok is actually helping our next generation come out of the closet uh, as whatever it is they feel that they are. Uh, And we think that's a beautiful thing, so much so that we're going to have a conversation about it in about 12 minutes. Um, So stick around for that. If you don't really 
fully understand what TikTok is, uh, but you can relate to the coming out process, you're going to want to hear this conversation. Uh, right now, though, it's time for News on the Beat. Michaela, what's happening in the world? All right, there's a lot going on. Fear and confusion are gripping parts of Afghanistan in the aftermath of the Taliban's takeover of the capital city of Kabul. People flooded the city's airport in an attempt to leave the country and escape Taliban rule. Countries around the world, like India and Australia, are fast-tracking immigration pathways to accept Afghan people trying to flee in Washington among Biden administration members and longtime national security professionals. There has been fierce debate over how the swift catastrophic end to the U.S. 20-year presence in the country came to be. In a speech to the nation yesterday, President Joe Biden admitted Afghans collapse did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated, but stood behind his withdrawal plan. I will say that no matter what the situation is, and I, I stand very close to this belief, it is devastating the footage that we are seeing. And I just feel more so devastated for the children and women. It appears as though the men were able to flee easier. And for women that have not had to live under the Taliban for 20 years, that now are being subjected to having to wear uh, burqas and cover their hands. And, uh, you know, it, it's very... We're just rolling back, and as a woman, I just feel terrible. Imagine being an 18-year-old woman. who You're an adult now, 19 years old. You've never had to deal with this in your entire life. Yeah, you've had plans, you you went to school. Wrap it all up, all of it. Hide who you are. It's a lot. It's a lot. I know it is a lot. But also, as Americans, it's not our job to save everybody from themselves forever. So, what's the solution? It's not, but I feel like addressing that it was abrupt... The way that Joe Biden did, it, like it was. I, I don't I just, think it was, though. We've been talking I about do. it for years. It's been 21 years in the making. I mean, to be fair, like they've been talking about this for years. Donald Trump literally negotiated with the Taliban before he left office last year, said that we'd be out of there by spring. And Joe Biden just followed through on that. And Joe Biden, it's not a breath for Joe Biden. Joe Biden's been saying since, gosh, 10 years now that this needs to happen. He's been saying since Obama was president. I mean, there's articles going all the way back to Bush. I'm not saying that Biden should carry this on his shoulders, but I think that it was abrupt, and I think that just watching these things happen, it just... Yeah. I'm just very sensitive about it, and I I think a lot of people are, just as a human being, seeing it. Just been... bothering me. All right. Well, in better news, Eric Braverman, the senior vice president of marketing, communications and broadcasting for the L.A. Dodgers baseball team, has announced he's added another ring to his collection, an engagement ring. Braverman shared on social media that he's going to marry his partner, Jonathan Cottrell. The out baseball executive popped the question this week in Las Vegas to the engineer, model photographer, who happily reports that he said yes. Among other things, Braverman has shepherded the Dodgers' long-celebrated Pride Night, which just held its eighth edition in June. Have you ever been to Pride Night at Dodgers? No, not Dodgers. I've been to Pride Night for LAFC. Yeah. That was really fun. Yeah. All right, let's get into weather. Uh, Summer's here at Square. It's brought to you by McDonald's. 106 in Vegas today. 106 in Palm Springs. 91 in Houston. 70 in San Francisco, 75 in Atlanta, and a high of 91 in Sacramento. Now, head on over to McDonald's to get a frozen Coca-Cola drink for just $1.50 to quench your thirst. Now, give us a vibe of the day. People won't see you struggle. They will only see you succeed. I love that. All right, well, coming up, uh, talk about people that are succeeding. Is TikTok succeeding with questioning kids coming out thanks to one filter the answer might be yes and we'll talk about it coming up next
you're listening to the morning beat uh something we talk about a lot on this show uh is technology uh and social media mm-hmm. all right and tiktok has gotten a lot of attention this last year you know donald trump tried to shut it down uh, he tried to buy it from China or whatever was going on there for a little bit. Uh, it did survive, thank God, because you have 1.7 million followers on the platform. Um, but it's also being credited with, uh, depending on which side of this you're, you, you, you fall on, uh, but it's helping young people come out of the closet Yeah. Uh, and, and discover their, their true identities, their true genders. In particular, uh, there is... Uh, a new filter, a relatively new filter, uh, that has got the hashtag questioning gender uh, going viral on social media right now. It's a red-blue filter. So the idea is, or blue and red, the idea is when the blue filter is on, uh, it gives you more masculine features, maybe a little bit of facial hair. Uh, and then if you blink, I believe, it switches to the red filter. So in real time, you can see what you look like uh, as a very masculine presenting, I guess, man, technically speaking. Yeah. Um, and then also what you might look like as a female with more like softer <clears throat> features in the red light, right? Uh, and you can go back and forth, back and forth as many times as you want. Well, one user is going viral. Uh, their name is Donnie Fitz. Uh, and we'll let you ex- let Donnie explain why they uh, feel so moved by this, this uh, filter. Yo, this filter is doing a little bit too much for me. Like, it's not, I just feeling a lot of feelings... Some might call it a uh, a crisis, almost internally, is what this is giving me. I I think this is incredible. I know somebody uh, very very that's close to me, um, and I remember the first time Snapchat created the filter where you could have more masculine features. You could see what you look like with a beard and a stronger jawline, and I remember. Um, it seems silly maybe to some, like for me, like I would never desire wanting to have more masculine features, but somebody who maybe has thought about transitioning or always thought like, what would it be like if I were more uh, masculine? Just the joy it brought. And they did like a photo shoot uh, with this Snapchat filter. And it was really empowering to see how they felt being able to see how they feel on the inside. Well, you know? really, yeah, totally. And it's so fascinating. And there's a, a report that came out in 2016, five years now. And this, I'm sure these numbers are even more drastic than they were then uh, by the J. Walter Thompson Innovation Group said that just 48% of Americans aged 13 to 20 identify as heterosexual. Only 48% compared to the next generation up, the next group, uh, 21 to 34 year olds, 65% of those identified as heterosexual. And for my generation, that number is even higher. Mm-hmm. So the further we get away from like sort of these gender norms, this this two you know gender system that we've been taught is the truth for generation after generation, uh, the more freedom these young people are are finding. You know, yeah. people like Lily Rose Depp, Jaden Smith, some of these younger people are saying, "Listen, the genders, it's it's not a thing that's going to like we're going to conform to anymore. We're not going to stay in that box." And like. It's interesting to think that now it's TikTok and social media that's doing this. When my coming out story, and I've been very public about this, I came out because of Danny on The Real World, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And he was dating uh, a guy by the name of Paul, who I believe is a Marine. And they blurred Paul's face the entire season. Mm-hmm. I, oh, he, God, I know. Because of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Right? And that was a big, big deal. And I came out because I related to Danny. He had some facial hair. 
He wore Abercrombie cargo shorts and sweaters all the time with flip flops. And like, I literally am almost dressed like that right now. I know. Like, I still dress like that. And I remember thinking for the first time in my life, I see myself. Talk yeah. about representation. I see myself. And and I came out because of a reality show. Well, this is like the modern version of that, I feel like. Social yeah. media. Well, it's interesting because I'm um, a friend of mine whose pronouns are they, them, just had a baby. And they've decided to make the baby's pronouns he, they. It, it was born a cis little boy. But the parent is uh, saying they just don't want the child to feel like they need to like be gender you know, conforming. And so the baby just wears neutral colors and the baby, um, which is, the the baby is such a good baby, by the way. Uh, But it's interesting to see now that this generation also who is having children is changing their pronouns. Justin? So... The only person with a child in this I know, I know. Well, no, I'm I'm, I'm all for that. But I'm just thinking about TikTok and, you know, they should be applauded for, you know, having these filters and helping people realize, you know, their true selves. But should they get any flack because they have censored queer content in the past in certain countries? Yeah, they have. Well, you know what's funny? I And it's interesting the way that the algorithm works because when I did my... Melania Trump, which is why I got famous on TikTok, it does not go on LGBTQ um, for you pages. Yeah, it goes like on they've, the Trumpers. They've, yeah, uh huh. And they've really made it difficult to transition in any way if you're trying to change up your audience. Yeah, and that's problematic because when I did start putting up queer content. I was getting death threats from the same people yeah, that thought I was um, just a comedian. So yep. it's been interesting, but that's like all social media sites, yeah. I think. I'm curious to know. I'm cur- I, This is such a hard, and this might be a controversial statement, but I, I, I support parents doing what they feel is best for their children, and I think it's always better to err on the side of openness than, than being more closed-minded. I do, I guess, a concern of mine would be that if we're just going to erase gender completely for babies— you know, and then they're growing up. I like my identity. I know that I'm very much a cis man. I know that about myself and it's part of who I am. And I personally would not, I don't know if I would have liked that to have been not not a part of my life, part of my story. Could it have freed me up in some ways to like explore other parts of my person? Perhaps. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could it made me feel could have made me feel less connected to who I am and to the world around me. Also, perhaps. So I'm kind of curious what the long-term impacts of that well, would be. Well, for my friend, they do make it clear, like, the pronouns are they, him. The yeah. baby will know that it's a born a boy, but yeah. they have the freedom yeah. to not conform. Yeah. To whatever it is that society makes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For me, I loved being a girl. I loved yeah. being a little girl. I loved tutus. I loved it all. But I was also a tomboy. I played all the sure. sports. I did everything. Uh, so it's interesting. And it's conversations that I we continue to have. I, too, loved tutus and still do. <laughs> I love that for you. All right. Coming up, what's the worst mess you've created and uh, left somebody else to take care of? Find out what happened in a parking lot. At a Walmart. Oh, God, at a Walmart. Just a note was left, we discuss. What would you do if you walk out of a store, say a Walmart, for example, and you realize that your car has been sideswiped, banged up pretty badly? Well, then you realize there's a note on your windshield, which is a good thing, right? Somebody's taking accountability. Okay. Yeah, then you upon further examination, realize they're not really actually taking full accountability, at least not in the way that you'd think. Take a listen. I went to Walmart. I found this on my car saying, 
Sorry for the damage on your car. Can't afford to fix it. But here's chocolate instead. Left this. And here's the damage on my car. Oh. My. I would have a meltdown. This person. Well, the chocolate's probably melting yeah, having the a sun. meltdown. They, this person left her two Hershey's bars. One milk chocolate, which is delicious and classic, of course. And a cookies and cream, which is the, which is almost enough for me. I do love a good cookies Shut and cream. Up. I mean, I love it. But there's probably a couple thousand dollars worth of damage to the side of this car. Looks like she drives, a, I think it's a Mustang maybe. Uh, and the whole side of the car is dented in and swiped. Oof. The paint job needs to be redone. They didn't sign it. They didn't leave a number. And so she posted this on social media. It has 4.7 million views so far. 6,000 comments. Um, and it got me thinking... What's the worst thing that you've ever done, uh, sort of damage you maybe have caused and not taken accountability for or not taken care of? I have a story about you that I can think of right off the top of my head, but I want to see what you come up with. I don't know. I need to think because I feel like I'm pretty honest about that stuff because it would bother me. Like I would feel like it was like haunting me if I like sideswiped someone's car and like didn't say anything because even if you can't afford it, you can at least have given the option of like, here's my number. Maybe we could talk about how to work this out. At least that's a more honorable thing than, than leaving chocolate. Okay, I'll start then. Go and ahead. then I'll share your story if you don't come up with a better one by okay. then. So just so you know, I'm going to share something about share you. Share it because I have no idea. So when I was in after, I think it was right after college, my early 20s, my friend Katie and I decided to get an apartment together. We had grown up in the same town, graduated high school together, went to college together, worked at the same restaurant together. She was my best friend, right? She was my neighbor as a kid. She was the one, I've probably told you the story, that we won the, the pairs figure oh skating God. competition with each so other. Stupid. I wore rollerblades. <laughs> she wore roller skates. I was Victor Petranko. <laughs> she was Katarina Vitt. Uh -huh. Our long program was Electric Youth. Mm. That was No, our short program was Electric Youth. Our long program was uh, the Queen song. Yes. We were the champions because we were just wanted to prophesy it, right? Okay. And we beat our brothers and sisters who were the other two pairs that we forced to skate together so we could win. Okay. Okay. We lived together in college. We've had a long relationship. Really great friendship. She was my first Valentine, by the way. And we decided it would make sense to simultaneously get a dog that was actually my parents' dog that was so insane that they were getting rid of. It was a Pomeranian miniature pincher mix. It looked like a fox, and he was literally insane. So we thought we would simultaneously save him. His name was Skippy. And also buy new furniture for our apartment together on credit okay that we opened together okay. as just random friends right so the dog diarrhea all over the place um chews oh. up our brand new couches within weeks of getting them chews them all up and then she's upset doesn't want to talk to me about it decides to move out and then i say okay cool i never pay the bill mm -hmm. i probably owed her like 500 bucks still on mm -hmm. that bill mm -hmm. i took the coffee table and the messed up furniture and just never paid her. Yeah. And she just stopped being my friend forever. And I, it took oh, me God. years later. I, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because I, I genuinely still miss her. We're fine now. Yeah. We're not like friends or not friends anymore. We're just like, whatever. Yeah. But I just bailed on it because I was young. And to me, $500 seemed like I could never. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to lose a friend. Over I know this that one. does. I know I that never feels, come up like, with that it. Money, feels ever. like it. Okay. Do you That's have your story tough. yet? No. Because I do. So one time you borrowed these really expensive feather fans. Oh, no, I paid for those. You did not? Oh, I did. You told me you did not? Yes, I did. Oh, yes, I did. How much did you pay okay, for them? Okay, I had to send her $100. 
I, you said they were a lot more expensive than they that. They were, but she only charged me $100 because <laughs> they were used. Okay, okay, this is true. No, no, no. Listen, I'll tell you what. I'm pretty good about that kind of stuff. Also, we're in the business together. So she, this girl, lent me her burlesque fans. They are very expensive. These were pretty battered anyway. But I used them and then I you lost see them. Her to, you, hear, you see her making excuses mm-hmm. right they now were, to hear they it? They were. Okay, so then. You lost them is, where? Wait, have we never just like come back to this? Oh, we did. Because I, I think they're in the back of your them. car. I, I gave them back to her. I ended up giving them back to her. I paid for them and then I gave them back to her. Broken, busted. Uh, one was, yeah, one was like broken, but she was able to <laughs> fix it. Yeah. Huh. So I got these burlesque fans, used them, they were fierce lost them, had to call her. And I was like, I don't know what to say. I lost her burlesque fans. And she was like, how? And I was like, I don't know. So whatever like this looks like, tell me. I had to pay $100. And then like literally eight months later, I found them. And I was like- You found them where? I found in the back of my car. Okay. That's, the black hole. That's the wild the thing. The black hole. That it took you eight months to find big fluffy fans in your Ostrich car. feathers. I Ostrich know. Feathers. I know. I know. So then I called her and I was like, I found them. Do you want them? And she was like, yeah, I do. And I was like- Okay, so then well, I have one. dropped them off. <laughs> oh my God, I know. Yeah, How I'd be mad. That? If somebody swiped my car and left me two candy bars, I'd be like appreciative for the moment. And yeah. then I'd be ticked off and I'd be asking Walmart to look at their security footage. That's what I'd be doing. A hundred percent. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. All right, well, coming up, you love horror movies. You love horror everything, I feel like. Horror. Oh, not horror? Horror. Oh, you don't love horrors. I'll tell you a story about that coming up. <laughs> Ryan Murphy is sort of all over what's popping this morning. Uh, first and foremost, uh, American Horror Stories. Uh, we have the new trailer, uh, and it's terrifying. And then in our next What's Poppin', uh, there is some Funny Girl news. Uh, you know, he bought the rights to Funny Girl uh, years ago uh, to sort of hand over the reins to one of his young stars. Uh, and we have an update on that for you in our next What's Poppin'. So lots of lots of pop culture news this morning to tune into. Uh, but right now, Mikhail, let's kick things off with American Horror Stories. All right, well, we've got the first official trailer for the newest season of American Horror Story, the highly anticipated double feature, and it's looking like it's going to be one creepy trip to the coast. In the first look for part one of double feature entitled Red Tide, we see a happy couple move into Provincetown where things get pretty unhappy very quickly. The trailer shows us Finn Whitrock and his pregnant wife, Lily Rabe, moving to Provincetown to get a new start and help Whitrock's writing career. Uh, Do we have a little audio? Let's take a listen. Something weird is going on here, and I want to know what it is. There's nothing more addictive than success. You've tasted it now. You're never going to be able to live without it. We are not safe here. Here's their first mistake. You're a straight couple moving into P-Town. Of course that's terrifying. What do you expect? Your relationship's going to fall apart. Good point. Your husband's going to find himself a new husband. Yeah, that's all that happened. She's gay. It's a coming out story. That doesn't sound scary to me. It sounds hot. I'll tell you what. I'm just saying. Have you ever been to P-Town? No. Do you want to go? I would like to yes. go. Yes. So we've been talk- we were actually just talking about this in the studio a moment ago, and I said, you know what? Like, my partner and I have been together almost nine years. We've never been to P-Town, never been to Fire Island. We're not real gays. And our producer, Justin, who is pretty straight, um, said, because you're West Coast gays. Like, y'all go to, like, Palm Springs. Oh, and you, like, yeah. That's what we, yeah, or, like, San Francisco. Or what was the other one? 
uh, Palm Springs, San Francisco, PV, PV and Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, those we go to those places. Um, Justin, that was such a good yeah. thing to recognize. And New Yorkers don't really. They go to P Town and, yeah. and the Fire Island. But I would love to go someday. Uh, I I need to get back into like bikini shape because apparently every single man who goes to those places has a six pack at the age of fifty. How's that possible? Let's normalize hot, it. just regular bodies. Listen, I'm I'm successful. I'm charming. I have a yeah. beautiful face and some other great features. However, I'm not built like that anymore. My partner is, but I'm not. Yeah, you are. How Don't do these guys in their fifties and sixties do this? You Lots look incredible. Lots of time at the gym. Yeah, I guess. The I don't know. The, yeah, the gym. gym or, or their doctor. Injections. All right. Come on. Well, speaking of uh, injections, Uh-oh. we're joined with uh, Dr. James Simmons and What the Health talking about Moderna possibly ending HIV. We'll have that conversation coming up. Coming up this hour, could we be inching closer and closer to an HIV uh, vaccine? Really exciting news. Uh and uh, we're on the verge of this thing. Dr. James Simmons is going to join us with all of the latest details in What the Health in about 15 minutes. Uh, this has been 40 years in the making. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to get our hopes up, but some really, really exciting news uh, coming out this week. Uh, thanks to Moderna and Dolly Parton, because she did fund uh, Moderna. It's, it all goes back to Dolly. She gave him a million dollars. It, it probably took a lot more to get yes. these things rolling. But I just thought of something. You guys were all all on board Pfizer. Moderna was the one that Dolly Parton picked, and you shunned it. Well, here's why. I well, picked I, it. Here's why. I just did what AJ said. I, that tracks. Who's fault? Here's why also. Because we are all on board with Pfizer, because I think they had like a 2% higher efficacy rate in their initial studies or whatever. I don't know why. And I was like, oh, this one's going to keep me the safest. And then we're hearing more and more about Moderna. And Dolly we trust. And Dolly we do trust. And also, Moderna apparently is uh, better uh, against the Delta variant, which is the second part of our What the Health conversation we're going to have, uh, talking about boosters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Biden uh, expected to make a major announcement on boosters today uh, regarding Pfizer. Uh, so he could be heading back to the doctor for all sorts of shots in the very near future. Uh, but I'll save some of that for, for What the Health a little bit later on. And I know Michaela has a little bit of it in uh, News on the Beat right now. So why don't you take it away, Michaela? All right. Well, um, the Biden administration is expected to release guidance advising people to get a COVID-19 booster shot eight months after their final initial dose. The plan, which is still being developed, would be put into action beginning in mid to late September, pending FDA authorization. Pfizer has submitted initial data to the FDA that supports the use of a booster dose and claims such a step would help protect against the virus and uh, nationwide. uh, I'm sorry, importantly, uh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, words. You need a shot words. right now. You need a shot of tequila to get you going again. I, listen, it's like I had it. I love when Brian goes, would you have a stroke on air? When we mess it up, our Stoke. program director. Okay, I was going like, to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, the Pfizer, uh, Pfizer has submitted initial data to the FDA that supports the use of a booster dose and claims such a step would help protect against the virus and importantly its variants. Meanwhile, New Zealand has announced a nationwide lockdown after a single reported coronavirus case. Its first locally transmitted case since February. In Tokyo, Paralympics organizers say the games, which start next week, will go on without spectators as the country continues to struggle with new coronavirus outbreaks. Uh, You know, I'll tell you, um, just watching everything that's happening in Afghanistan right now, we're not even talking about COVID. You know, with everything else that's going on, people are still really dying. It just feels like such a... 
astral whirlwind of a time. Yeah, it's a tragic, so sad. tragic situation. You know, we're looking right now. The Pentagon is saying up to four thousand troops will be in Kabul by the end of today. They're getting, uh, you know, about five to nine thousand uh, citizens out of Afghanistan right now per day. Wow, which is a good thing. Uh, there's still so much more to be done. It's just, I don't know what the solution is. It's devastating. Uh, I do want to touch on, though, what New Zealand is doing. This is a really big deal. Uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, uh, Hacinda Ardern, uh, interesting that she's really locked this thing down very quickly. And they had their first case, one, in the entire nation since February. And they're locking the whole country down for three days. Ooh, one for case. three days. And we think that we've got it rough here. There are women being wrapped in garb once again, wearing gloves and scarves on their, their bodies right now in Afghanistan, getting their rights taken away. And people here can't handle a paper mask to go to a restaurant or their local Target or to get a $5 cup of Starbucks. Yeah. I mean, to put it into perspective, as bad as things here are here, so much worse in other parts of the world right now. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's get into a little weather. Summer's here. It's queer and it's brought to you by McDonald's. It's going to be a high of 91 in Sacramento, 86 in St. Louis, 79 in Cleveland, 84 in Baltimore, 97 in Phoenix, 88 in Kansas City, 106 in Vegas, and 84 in L.A., now, uh, head on over to McDonald's to get a frozen Coca-Cola drink for just $1.50 to quench your thirst. Now, give us the vibe of the day. People won't see your struggle. They will only see your success. No. So don't feel like, listen, sometimes it's hard because you want people to see the struggle. You want people to be like, do you know how hard I've worked? Yeah. Do you know how, how much I'm going through right now? Uh, people don't see it. They're all going through their own stuff. Yeah, they really are. All right, well, coming up in What the Health, Dr. James Simmons joins us to discuss Moderna possibly ending HIV, and we will have that discussion up next. This is the Morning Beat, and it's time for another round of What the Health, with our favorite in-house doctor, Dr. James Simmons. Dr. James, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Doing honey. great. How are y'all? We're great. We're great. Uh, even better after news that Moderna could be working. Uh, actually, they're starting human trials uh, on a vaccine to end HIV just 40 short years later. What do you know? Should we be getting our hopes up right now? Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit we should be getting our hopes up. Although, <clears throat> I was asked a very interesting question by a very smart family member over the weekend that, how did we develop a vaccine for COVID so fast, but yet we still don't have a vaccine for HIV? Oh, and honey. this is a, a, right, exactly. Well, there's lots of sort of obviously socio-political discriminatory things going on there. But also when it comes down to the science of it, I think it is important for people to remember that SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 disease, is categorically different than HIV. We think that SARS is, is mutating quickly. HIV mutates like like Flojo, like it's just crazy fast and it's, it's hard to keep up with. But because of the development of the mRNA technology that we use in the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines, we're now learning, I'll be darned, we bet we can maybe use this technology to keep up with those rapid mutations of the HIV virus. It's, they've already been doing trials already with mRNA in like mice and early um, stage one, stage two trials. And now they've uh, got the official green light to move into human clinical trials, which should start this fall and wrap up sometime in 2023. Well, it's exciting that Moderna is doing this, but um, does it look like then maybe Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer will be coming up behind Moderna to start this? And has it been hopeful? Is there anything that we can sort of tell just this early on? 
From my knowledge, uh, those two companies in particular have not announced that they're working on HIV vaccines, but there are a lot of companies working on um, and research facilities. So a lot of times drug companies and these like big institutes of academia will work on um, vaccines together. There's lots of folks that have been working on this for a long time. There were even some trials in Thailand in the 2000s. People are that didn't really work very well from an HIV vaccine standpoint, but some research are trying are trying to improve upon that. So lots of folks are working on this. Moderna is the first one to announce that they're going to do, use their proprietary mRNA technology for this. I think it's really, really exciting. This is just on paper, like just looking at how the science of this works on paper. It's, it's one of the first times that I think a lot of scientists and particularly those working in the HIV curative and HIV vaccine communities have said, huh, well, maybe we're on to something here because this damn virus is just so, so, so hard to to treat and take care of from a vaccine or a cure standpoint. So it is exciting. If you're just now joining us, we're joined by Dr. James Simmons for What the Health. We're having a conversation on Moderna starting human trials for an HIV vaccine. He did kick off this conversation with a reference to Florence Griffith Joyner, uh, Flojo. So this is kind of where we are right now. So uh, if you're just now joining us, uh, he's, he's, <laughs> he's a special one. Uh, I do want to also say, I'm kind of curious because, listen, I... I don't like to be a skeptic, but I've worked in Hollywood for long enough. I've covered these stories for long enough. And I understand how problematic our pharmaceutical drug companies can be here in this country and abroad, right? So if you're, let's just say you're the makers of PrEP, right? And you hear that a vaccine to end HIV could be coming down the pipe. What are you doing? Who are you lobbying? Do you want to see this vaccine come out? Or do you think, oh, this is going to cut into our bottom line. That's not a good thing. What does that look like? How does that play out in the real world and like or behind the scenes, I guess, and what sort of implications could that have on the real world? Oh, that's really complicated, right? There's there's a lot that, that goes into those things. I I am an eternal optimist and I though I hope that does not come with a level of naive naivete, if you will. Um, you know, interestingly, the the company that makes Truvada uh, and Descovy, so oral HIV prep, also makes uh, most of the most popular and most prescribed HIV therapy medications. Um, so while they're, I mean, I, I don't know their business model. Um, I have worked with these companies a little bit as an official CDC ambassador, but that's just so that I know as much information about their medications as possible. But um, I, I don't, I have no evidence to say that Gilead is maybe out there trying to thwart the HIV vaccine efforts, right? This also, I think, is an interesting point about timing. So these first human clinical trials are starting now or this fall and go through 2023. Then the data has to be reviewed. Then they have to see what went wrong, what went right. If it gets past those stages, then they'll start the phase two human clinical trials which will take another year and a half and then another year of data, you know, coming through the data. So we're still years and years away from an HIV vaccine at this point. Um, so I don't, I don't know if there's any corporate espionage and things like that going on. Ultimately, I feel like we're in a place right now where the, the altruistic nature of folks are like we HIV is something that we are so close to getting under control and effectively starting to eliminate that we can and we have to keep pushing for that. 
Well, Dr. James Simmons, we want to continue having a conversation with you for What the Health. Uh, when we come back, Gilead is making an announcement that two of their HIV drugs were tampered with. What does that mean and what are they doing about it? Uh, we'll discuss with you, Dr. James Simmons, coming up. You're listening to The Morning Beat and What the Health with Dr. James Simmons. Uh, Michaela, I know you have a really interesting question uh, for James regarding a story that came across our desk recently. Uh, what do you have for him? Yeah, so Gilead came out and said that two of their HIV drugs had been tampered with and they are working uh, with authorities to remove the affected bottles from circulation. But what does that mean and how does it affect people that take these drugs? This is really scary, isn't it, when when drugs get tampered with. And we unfortunately still hear about this happening um, not not as frequently as it used to be because there's so many more safety protocols and measures in place. But this is really interesting. And Gilead um, just came out and said, All right, we have these medications that were messed with. The first one was Bictarvi, which is used to treat HIV. So people who have HIV infection uh, will take this to suppress their viral load and treat their HIV. And then Discovy, which is used um, on its own for HIV prophylaxis. Those two medications were tampered with. And Gilead also doesn't really tell us how either. They're not exactly telling us how or how much. But what they did release is say that this happened and they want to make sure that people know exactly what they should be looking for to make sure that their medications are the right ones. So if you are someone who takes Bictarvi, your Bictarvi pills should be purplish brown, shaped like a capsule, like a pill capsule, with 9883 on one side and GSI on the other. And if you take Discovy for PrEP or Discovy as a part of your HIV treatment regimen, that pill should be a little blue rectangle with 225 on one side and GSI on the other. If you do not have those on your pills, take them immediately to the nearest pharmacy, can be any pharmacy, and you can turn it in as counterfeit and they will help you get the right medication. Uh, that's really great information. Thank you for that, Dr. James Simmons, uh, joining us again for What the Health. Uh, let's shift gears just a bit. Uh, I know Michaela wants to ask you about COVID boosters. Those are a hot topic right now. Uh, but before we go there, I want to talk to you about PrEP, uh, kind of maybe changing form, perhaps. Uh, maybe we're moving further away. I know we talked about this a few weeks ago. What's the update on uh, moving away from a daily pill uh, to other preventative measures? This is like one of the most exciting things that has like happened in such a long time. So um, I know y'all know, but for those of you listening, I did my doctoral research on HIV uh, prophylaxis, HIV prevention in the community of black men who have sex with men, uh, which is still a very high risk group um, for HIV for a lot, a number of reasons. And one of the reasons that all people have had sort of lower adherence to HIV prophylaxis is that right now we have it in the form of a daily pill. So if you were HIV negative, you want to prevent HIV through sexual transmission, there's a pill we can give you that you take every day. And if you take it every day, about the same time every day, and don't miss, it's more or less 99% effective at preventing HIV through sex, which is great, except taking a pill every day is not accessible for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Also, I am a nurse practitioner. I have high blood pressure. And I promise you, one day a week, I forget to take my blood pressure medication, right? We all do this. We all forget. And what we don't want to do is have high-risk populations 
susceptible to HIV simply because they may not be able to take a pill every day or have forgotten to do it. So instead, we've been working on a shot. And the super exciting news is that cabotegravir, which is the medical name for the shot, given once every eight weeks, has now shown in follow-up trials. So we had this data last spring, and then now we've followed it up a year later, and we've seen that the shot actually works better than the pills at preventing HIV, which is tremendous news. Yeah, it's kind of hard to be better than 99%. That's exciting stuff. Yeah. Well, Dr. James Simmons, um, as we round out what the health, something that we did want to talk about also is COVID boosters. Uh, we've been talking a lot about how people, although have been vaccinated, they're still getting COVID. My Zio just did as well, and he's 75. And we're so thankful that he has been mm. vaccinated. But we were, you know, really scared. And so now people are thinking, if we take a booster, is it safer? What do we know about that? This one is one of those, all right, this thing is changing way too fast. We're learning more and more every single day. So I've been saying here on the, on the air with y'all that I didn't think everyone was going to need boosters for probably at least till the end of this year, maybe early next year. Well, now it looks like we might need boosters a little bit earlier with some data coming out of Israel. So earlier in the, in the month of July, Israel released some data that said, well, we're not sure that Pfizer in particular, that that vaccine is holding up as well just against the Delta variant in terms of um, mild and symptomatic illnesses, so kind of like mild and moderate illnesses. It's still holding up really pretty well against severe illness and hospitalization. Well, they've really come through some of that data, and Israel shared that data with the world now, and the United States is probably set to announce sometime later today or this week that they are going to officially recommend that if you got the Pfizer vaccine, you actually get a booster eight months from when you finished your first course of the Pfizer vaccine to boost your immunity against the Delta variant specifically, because Pfizer is not holding up quite as well against the Delta as we originally thought. I knew I should have got Moderna. Oh, Dolly Parton, I should have trusted Dolly, her. Dolly, why didn't we listen to you? <laughs> All right, well, Dr. James Simmons, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Uh, now in What's Poppin'. Honestly, it's the saddest news I've I've ever had to deliver. <clears throat> Has to do with Funny Girl, the remake. Oh, this is kind of sad, but kind of good too. It's I don't know who it's good for, babe, but <laughs> maybe it's good for the celebrity we're announcing who got the role. We'll discuss. Little known fact about AJ and Michaela, unless you listen to our show literally ever, uh, we're both huge fans of Barbara Streisand and in particular Funny Girl. Oh, one God. of the greatest films oh, of all time. That literally the scene on the front of the tugboat or the the ferry boat where she's singing. Um, right in my parade. Yes, is just beyond Don't iconic. Tell me not to oh, not so good. I thought I was going to perform uh, for Barbara Streisand a few years ago hosting an awards show and she pulled out last minute and I was devastated. I write all about it. There's like an entire chapter in my book about it. Yeah. I was that devastated, yep. right? Still never met her. Um, I hope to someday. Uh, funny girl back in the news though, uh, for a completely different reason. And Michaela has the details for you in what's popping. Okay. Listen, I know there's a lot of dream roles that I'd like to have, but playing funny girl was always my dream role. I love it. It was also Leah Michelle's and it feels like they set her up. I did stand up and I actually did a very, um, harsh joke about Leah Michelle getting funny girl and not me literally years ago 
and uh, it turns out she didn't get it either. Well, Ryan Murphy had purchased the rights, I believe, years ago when they were working together on Glee, like uh-huh. eight years ago, with the entire intention of putting her in that role, right. and winning her a Tony Award. Right. That's why he got. The, I mean, she played on the fifth or sixth season of Glee when she moved to New York City and all the kids moved on from high school. When the show got kind of weird, she played Fanny Bryce on Broadway. Her character Rachel Berry did on Glee. Yeah, they so, said. I mean, Ryan Murphy also, as we know, is very, very loyal. Mm-hmm. Like he sets everybody up for success. Look at Sarah Paulson, their relationship. Yes. So it's interesting that she did not get it. However, it did go to Beanie uh, Feldstein. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't I don't see it. I don't understand the casting with Beanie Feldstein. Yeah. Um Jonah Hill's sister, see- right? Right? His little sister. Yeah. I also didn't see Booksmart, so I maybe she's like phenomenal. She's phenomenal in Booksmart. Right. So good. But I didn't know she was a singer. I mean, however, I, I, I love it. You know, I will say that Barbara Streisand just came out um, talking about A Star is Born with Gaga. She said she actually thought the casting was quite boring. Well, she's she, yeah, she's dragging it now. Yeah, she's dragging it. Well, because it. initially, when A Star is Born, was, when they were looking to remake it for the fourth time, or remake for the third time, I guess, uh... Years ago, it was supposed to be Jay-Z and Beyonce. That's who they were talking about. Which would have been incredible. She thought that would be cool. But also, Gaga and Bradley Cooper were phenomenal. She thought it was too close to her, her version and that it was too white. Which I can also understand. I can understand too because I think that Gaga is very intense the same way that Barbara is. Yes. So the energy is very similar. She channeled Barbara. Yeah, so maybe that's why they're doing a different direction. Justin, you like Beanie. I know you like her. Well, no. I, I, to be honest, I really haven't seen anything that she's been in except for Booksmart. But she's going to be in that new American crime story impeachment playing oh, Monica Lewinsky. So Lewis. she's Lewis. a part of yeah. Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Oh, Justin, that was smart. Someone get me Ryan Murphy. I'm having a meeting Listen, with him. Once I got to manifest Once it. you get in with him once, you're good. It's, you're good. He'll put you, put you on everything. That's I. Do you know Ryan Murphy? I can I can make a call. Make I a call. I don't think it's the same Ryan Murphy. Yeah, I know a Ryan Murphy. Well, does anybody know Ryan Murphy? If you do, DM us out. We are Channel Q. Wow. Fine. Congrats, Beanie, though. That's Congrats. a really big role. Congrats, Beanie. Somebody check on Leah Michelle. She did She did tweet her support to Beanie. She did. But she must be devastated. I, I, I'm devastated, so I, I can imagine how she feels. I think there's too many rumors and things that came out about her after it got Rivera dark. passed that it I got think dark. they just had to step away from her. Yeah. All right, well, coming up in our final hour, uh, Doc Halligan is joining us to talk about a rare disease spiking in pets and how to save them coming up. This hour coming up here on The Morning Beat. We have a fantastic hour uh, for you. Michaela's got news on the beat in just a moment uh, and the latest uh, from Afghanistan uh, and everything going on with the COVID uh, uh, pandemic globally. It's a lot. It's a heavy day, uh, clearly, as we mourn those uh, suffering in Afghanistan right now. Uh, But we are going to lighten things up in just a bit um, with our celebrity veterinarian, Doc Halligan, keeping our pets safe. Actually, it's a little sad, too. <laughs> there's there's a, a rare sort of disease going around Southern California right now that could be in other parts of the country. Uh, and so she's joining us to help keep our pets, our little loved ones, safe. Because I'll tell you this. I've had my dog. We just celebrated his, I believe it was his nine-month birthday recently. And he's not my dog. He's my son. Okay, listen to me. I, a- read this, I, I know this. I know this for you. And I know this for you. And I read this thing. And you're going to be so mad because I was, too. I remember it was like a Mother's Day, and this guy was like, if you wish yourself a happy Mother's Day because you're a dog mom or a happy Father's Day because you're a dog dad, you're insane. (sighs) And I was like, you're insane. Like, I was living That little demon that lives inside of you came out again? Yes, like with its little pitchfork. Uh (laughs) And I was like, because you're in love. You've never experienced anything like it, right? 
I've never loved something that wasn't like a blood relative the way that I love this dog. I know. And I've had him since, what, January? Ugh. I'm obsessed with him. It's nothing like it. So, uh, Doc Halligan is joining us in about 15 minutes to talk about keeping our pets safe. Uh, but right now, it is time for News on the Beat. Michaela, what do you have for us? All right. Well, speaking of pets, my dog, Rocco, wears the cutest L.A. Dodgers hat. And it just makes me laugh so hard. Remember when I used to make him walk out to see you and you guys matched in your L.A. Dodgers hat? I do remember it. <laughs> I, love, I love Rocco. I love Rocco. Rocco's one of the reasons I got a dog. I know. Rocco loves you More so much. More so Rocco, less Bruno. But Bruno's, Bruno has grown on me. Because when I met Bruno, Bruno was sick. Yeah. So Bruno didn't like me. He, Bruno didn't like anybody. Bruno's healthy. He's a cool guy. He's a nice guy. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of L.A. Dodgers, Eric Braverman, the senior vice president of Marketing, communications, and broadcasting for the LA Dodgers baseball team has announced he's added another ring to his collection, an engagement ring. Braverman shared on social media that he's going to marry his partner, Jonathan Cottrell. The Out Baseball executive popped the question this weekend in Las Vegas to the engineer, model, photographer, who happily reports that he said yes, among other things. Braverman has shepherded the Dodgers' long-celebrated Pride Night, which just held its eighth edition in June. When the Dodgers hosted the Texas Rangers, who this year became the only team in Major League Baseball not to have ever held a Pride Night celebration, Braverman came out publicly in 2015. Although he was out to those close to him and those around baseball for years prior, this is a really, really big deal, and we just need as much visibility as we can get in some of these hyper-masculine sports. Yeah, and also, why is Texas, why have the Rangers not had a Pride Night? Like, it's 2021. I don't know. I'm just asking for one. They play 160 games a year, like one night. Yeah, just we just just one night. Come on, would be okay. All right, another news: the Biden administration is expected to release guidance advising people to get a COVID-19 booster shot eight months after their final initial dose. The plan, which is still being developed, would be put into action beginning in mid to late summer. I'm sorry, September, pending FDA authorization. Pfizer has submitted initial data to the FDA that supports the use of a booster dose and claims such a step would help protect against the virus. And uh, and importantly, it's variants. Now, meanwhile, New Zealand has announced a nationwide lockdown after a single reported coronavirus case. It's very interesting. They have not had one since February, and now one person got it, and they're locked down for three days. Very intense. All right, let's get into a little weather. Summer's here. It's queer. It's brought to you by McDonald's. It's a high of 84 in L.A. today, 106 in Vegas, 106 in Palm Springs, 88 in Kansas City, 90 in Miami, 70 in San Francisco, and 75 in Atlanta. Now head on over to McDonald's to get a frozen Coca-Cola drink for just $1.50 and help quench your thirst. Now give us a vibe. People won't see your struggle. They will only see your success. Yeah. So don't, don't feel hurt if people aren't there for every single pitfall or every little bump on the road. They just uh, don't know. Yeah, they're going through their own stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, coming up, Doc Kelligan joins us to talk about a rare disease spiking in pets and how we can try to help and save them coming up. You're listening to The Morning Beat now. It's so important that uh, we keep our pets healthy. And when things change or adjust, it's important that we adapt. Uh, And there's something taking place here in Southern California right now uh, that pet owners need to be be knowing about. Uh, So we're joined by our celebrity veterinarian, Doc Halligan. Doc, thank you so much for joining us. you know, I do have a personal question for you for my dog because that's who I am nowadays. I'm a dog dad. But I know Mac- uh-huh. uh, Michaela is very concerned about this, as are you. Michaela, what are we talking about? So this is really interesting. Last year, Bruno got really sick, as everybody remembers, and we thought it was his liver. We also thought it had to do with his kidneys because he doesn't drink a lot of water. Uh, you helped us so much with that. But now there may be a name to it. People are talking about leptospirosis. 
um, which is a bacterial disease. Can you explain that and what's happening to our pets? Yes. So we have been notified by Los Angeles Public Health that there is a high incidence of leptospirosis throughout L.A. County. Two dogs have died and it is contagious to humans. So it is a reportable disease like rabies. Mm. Now, here's the thing. I've been a vet for 30 years. When I first started practicing, the leptospirosis was considered a core vaccine. So it was in your distemper parvo vaccine. It was also in there. So it was a distemper leptoparvo. The vaccine they had then caused a lot of vaccine reactions, so much so that we actually started just ordering the vaccine without the lepto because it wasn't in the area. So we didn't have it out here. It was more in rural areas. Um, the way it's transmitted is, is through the urine of an infected animal. So it can get in their eyes or their nose or their mouth or the broken skin of another animal that happens to have the infection. You can The dogs can also get it uh, through contaminated water or mud because, you know, the urine, the urine is what spreads the disease. Um, they, it is transferred amongst uh, raccoons and skunks, possums, but right now they're saying that it's really from a dog that started this whole thing. The dog got it somehow and then has was at a boarding facility in West Los Angeles. Two dogs have died from it. Um, it's a serious disease, so much so that Marina Vet sent out a email saying we now have a better vaccine, much safer. It's, it has a, a four-way, so it protects against four strains of the bacteria. Um, the dogs only need to be eight weeks old, and we're recommending that every pet that comes in contact with other dogs or has an active lifestyle receive the vaccine because, you know, the do- dogs can die from it. It, it unfortunately attacks the kidneys and the liver, and they and they can die from it. Hmm. Listen, listen. As as you've done for Michaela and Lisa for for years now, you kind of saved me, and I, I think I've switched my uh, veterinary care over to Doc Halligan because yeah. my my <laughs> puppy Kingston is going through it a few weeks ago. By the way, we got him fully groomed. He got a teddy bear uh, cut. He looks adorable. Thank you. Um, Good. <laughs> but what sort of symptoms should we be looking for uh, early on? Uh, and and if our dog is symptomatic, is that is it too mm-hmm. late to get a vaccine then? Good question. Okay, so the symptoms are usually associated with the kidney. So they'll be drinking a lot of water. Uh, they do get fevers. They'll be lethargic. They won't want to eat. They'll have vomiting, diarrhea, end stage. They'll end up getting like yellow into their membranes. Once your pet has the disease, The good news is there's antibiotics that we put them on. We do sometimes have to hospitalize them to support the kidneys. And then, you know, once they are fully recovered from the illness, hopefully they survive, then you could go ahead and do the vaccine. It is a two-series vaccine where you give it and then you repeat it in two to four weeks. And like I said, you know, if you ask vets, you know, lepto was the vaccine that all the dogs reacted to. And so we just got, it was frustrating 
Um, and when we didn't have a lot of cases, we were like, well, then why would we vaccinate our pet for this? And it was taken out of a core vaccine. Mm. Um, so, um, but, you know, now it's a really good vaccine. And, you know, you've got to monitor your pets, too. Yeah, if you see, I always say, like, don't wait. If your dog's drinking a lot of water, you've got to address that. It's not, oh, it's hot or, oh, it's hot. No, excessive water drinking is is always a symptom of something mm. always well, because I'll... and you you know you know you know how much your pet normally drinks right so it's pretty like my cat when it developed kidney disease started drinking out of the pool and i'm like huh oh my that's god weird. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh, no, that's I, a sign, yeah. I, I want to ask you, we just have zero time left now, but uh, knowing what Bruno was going through, do you think that now maybe that's what he was dealing with, this rare disease? I mean, you know, it could have been. He wasn't tested for that, was he? No, he wasn't. Yeah, hmm. it could have been. And, you know, we probably have misdiagnosed it because it's not on our radar, and it is a different test, a PCR antibody. It's $189. And it's a completely separate blood test than the normal blood test. So we could have missed it. Doc Halligan, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking care of our pets and everyone here at Channel Q. For more, go to DocHalligan.com or uh, download her podcast, Unleashed. Thank you so much, Doc. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, coming up, uh, dealing with toxicity in a relationship. We love a good joke, but not at the expense of our partner. And we'll discuss why it's problematic next. Listen, there's a lot going on in the world. We understand that. The situation is always darkest before the dawn, and it feels like we've been in darkness for quite a while. However, there is so much love and light in the world, and we like to wrap up every single show with some positive stories and tell me something good uh, so you can hold on to that, uh, that bit of hope as you go off into your day. So here are a couple of stories that will do just that for you. Uh, This man... His name is Bill Scott of Sacramento, California, Northern California. It's our state capital. Um, He's got a ham radio that he carries, a small black little radio that he carries with him literally everywhere he goes. Um, It's like an amateur type of radio. It's a popular hobby service that allows people to communicate through a non-commercial exchange of messages. He's been doing this uh, for about 40 years. It's an old old hobby of his, right? On Saturdays, he usually checks in or has people check in with him over the radio from all over the world, people he's become friends with uh, throughout his lifetime. Uh, He spends hours checking in with his friends. Well, one Saturday in particular, uh, he got a phone call and, well, a phone call on his radio. And, uh, well, let's let him describe. It was all kind of skewed and everything. And I, and I thought it was a prank call at first, and so then after we finally established it, he said, you're an amateur radio operator. I couldn't see the numbers too good on the uh, cell phone, and I wound up pushing the button, and I wound up calling Bill. Bill's wife, Sharon, a retired nurse of almost 60 years, quickly realized Skip was having a stroke. The speech that he had was slurred, and my husband couldn't seem to keep him on tact. I was nervous, uh-huh, because I didn't want to lose my friend. So listen to this. So Bill's wife, Sharon, as you heard there, was a nurse for over 60 years. This couple's like in their 80s. Like they're older, Mm -hmm. right? She's still, the expertise she had for all those decades as a nurse, she realized just over this radio that this man was in fact having a stroke and they'd been to their house before. They'd visited them in Oregon in the past. Crazy. So they knew how to call 911 and how to direct the EMTs to get to this guy's house just from memory. Nuts. Saved his life. EMTs said if they'd waited another hour, he would have been dead. 
That's crazy. Because of a guy's radio hobby. Listen, right. we're doing radio. We're saving lives. We're saving lives, honey. All right. Well, this story is adorable. <laughs> An 11-year-old raised $700,000 for hospice, um, and it's wild. Now, this little boy, his name is Max. His parents were helping take care of their neighbor, Rick, who had terminal cancer. And when Rick... Mm past, um, he gave Max his tent and he said, hey, I hope you have a lot of adventures with my tent. And so uh, the little boy wanted to start making like a fundraiser for the local hospice so that people could just have better lives. So he started documenting him in his tent and it ended up bringing $700,000 from an 11 year old. Hospice care is one that oftentimes gets overlooked. You know, it's the end of someone's life and the entire mission is to just make them more comfortable, you know, to make things a little bit easier as they as they go on to their their next season of their afterlife, whatever it is that you believe in. But for a young boy like that to pay it forward, uh, these photos on this article are so adorable. He's cuddling with his like teddy bears, and then his little doggy that was given to him. Oh, so sweet! Well, this tell me something good is brought to you by McDonald's. I want to remind you to stop by McDonald's to get a frozen Coca Cola treat, just a dollar fifty to quench your thirst. We have a great show for you tomorrow for Red, White, and Q. We are going to be talking about what's happening in Afghanistan when it comes to the women and children, what we could have done differently, what we need to know. But for now, wash your hands, wear your masks, have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you tomorrow.